Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. And what I've learned is I can only do the best that I can do. And if I can't do the best I can do every day, that's okay too. My kids are going to be okay, you know? And I think being gentle with ourselves plays a very big role too, because we are our own worst critic. And if we're not, we feel like we're doing a disservice to our kids or we're not, you know, our kids are going to be unhealthy. I feel like being gentle with ourselves and understanding that we're doing the best we can. I feel like that plays a critical role in the food. When we look at food and mood and emotional health altogether. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Chris Dovniak, your host, and it's been a little while since we had a solid nutrition topic here on the podcast. And I am very excited about today's topic and today's episode because I know over the last couple of years, our stress and anxiety and our mood in general, especially mood disorders, mood disturbances, have been really high and very much on the rise. And honestly, I'm not surprised. We've been in a global pandemic. It has been a very difficult time in all of our lives. But I think something that a lot of us don't realize is how much we can do to improve our mood just by simple lifestyle factors, things like our nutrition, the way that we sleep, our gut health. Now, obviously, these things are not an end-all 
all-be-all. They're not a, a supplement for things like therapy and taking care of ourselves in that way. But they can be a really, really important addition to our routine that can make a really big difference which is why I am so excited to have nutritionist Andrea Donsky on with us today talking all about food and mood. We talk about how the foods that we eat, the way that we eat them can impact our mood, how gut health impacts our mood, how sleep impacts our mood, why supplements are such an incredible way to help to support our bodies when we might not be able to get in everything that we need, how important it is to be gentle on our ourselves, especially as parents, some ways that we can encourage our kids to eat more of these foods, specific foods that can help with our mood, and so much more. This is a jam-packed episode with so much practical advice. I know that you're really going to enjoy it. So for those of you who don't yet know Andrea, Andrea Donsky is a registered holistic nutritionist, media personality, entrepreneur, best-selling author, health and wellness lifestyle expert, menopause educator, and podcast host. She's the co-founder of NaturallySavvy.com, a multiple award-winning website, and WeAreMorphous.com together with her business partner, Randy Boyer. Among her numerous publications, Andrea co-authored the best-selling book, Unjunk Your Junk Food, published by Simon & Schuster. She also co-authored Label Lessons, Your Guide to a Healthy Shopping Cart, and Label Lessons, Unjunk Your Kids' Lunchbox. Andrea co-hosts the Naturally Savvy weekly podcast, hosts the Morphous podcast, and appears as a healthy living expert on TV across North America. Andrea has more than 20 years of experience in the health and wellness space and is a multiple award-winning influencer. She was awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award for her work as a nutritionist by CSNNAA in 2018, was honored with the first-ever Shifter of the Year Award at ShiftCon Media, was named a Top 100 Health Influencer by Optimize Magazine, was named one of the Top 100 Most Responsible Health Influencers in the U.S. by New Hope Network and was recently named one of Canada's most inspiring women by Marquee Magazine. So without further ado, here is my interview on food, mood, and everything in between with Andrea Donsky. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I am so excited to have you on. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be such a good topic. I know we're going to be talking about food and mood, which is so important and so interesting how much our nutrition impacts our mood. But before we jump in, I love to do a fun, short little icebreaker with all of my guests. So what are you reading these days? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. So I love reading, but I just don't have enough time to do it. And normally when I'm reading, it's like self-improvement books, but I just finished an awesome, I think it was called The Yellow Wife. I believe that it was called. It was such a good book. It was the first book I read in such a long time. And um, I absolutely loved it. Was that a fiction one? Uh, yeah, it was. Ba- it yeah. took place in the 1800s and um, it was about um, slavery and it was phenomenal. I highly recommend oh, cool. everybody read it. Okay. I'm going to need to look it up. <laughs> yeah, phenomenal book. Awesome. Oh, I love new recommendations for books. So this is such a fun question. I don't think I'll ever change it. <laughs> I love getting book recommendations. So I am so excited to dive into the topic of mood and how our food, our supplement, and our lifestyle choices affect our mood. But before we kind of dive into that, I would love to hear a little bit more about you and where your passion for nutrition started. Yes, I love answering this question because it gives a bit of a foundation of what created, I guess, or what started my career in nutrition and just in healthy living in general. 
So I, back when I was in my early twenties, I'm in my early fifties now, I had a lot of stomach issues and I could not figure out what it was. And I went to my doctor and everyone's like, no, you're good. So I started diving into possible issues that, you know, it could be as to what was creating my gas and my bloating. And it would look like I was literally like four months pregnant by the end of my day. And I just didn't understand how food really had such an impact on how I felt or how I looked right at the time. So I decided to go back to school to become a nutritionist because I did so much reading about living healthy living in general. I thought, well, it probably wouldn't, would be a good idea to actually get a degree (laughs) someday. I'll use it. I'm sure. And that was kind of what led me down this path. And I'm an avid researcher, I'm an avid learner, and I'm happy when I'm learning. So I always say that I use myself as an N of one to learn. And then what I learn, I then share with all the people that um, are interested, I guess, you know, people who are interested, our listeners, our people, our visitors to our website, and those who um, want to make a change in their life. And I do believe that the right people come into your life at the right time. And when you're ready to make a change or when you're ready to do something, that's when the information will appear. And I've kind of always lived my life like that. So I feel like the more research I learn, the more that I understand how our bodies work, the more that, you know, there's so much out there that we just don't know that we're learning all the time. And the more it has made me you know, understand myself a lot better and tweak what I'm eating and understanding that connection between how our food affects us physically, but also, but also emotionally, there's such a big connection. Mm, Oh, I love all of that because I am also a researcher (laughs) and I Mm -hmm. also have a background in gut health issues. And that's how I started on this path of learning more about wellness. And I worked in the nutrition field for a while. Now I'm specifically in food as well as the podcast. Um, But I can definitely relate to your story. And I love learning, which is one of the reasons I love having a podcast. So I'm so excited for you to share some of your knowledge with us today. (laughs) And it's such a good way to do it. So congratulations on having an incredible podcast. And And I do, I agree with you, like podcasts are such a great way to learn. And to really, and to get deep, right. To, to have, to, to take the time and to listen to what you're sharing with your audience, your audience is very blessed to have you and to that, the fact that you have this podcast. So thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you. So, I mean, the reason why it, I think it's so helpful is that we have guests on who have so much knowledge and knowledge in specific areas. And so I think that's one of the best things about podcasts. You can search, okay, I want to learn more about food and mood, which is what we're going to talk about today. And there are so many topics out there, you know, even a decade ago, podcasts weren't what they are today. You couldn't find this information as easily as you can through podcasts. So I want to kind of dive in to mood and I think kind of what's been happening over the last couple of years, because research has shown a huge uptick in mood disturbances, everything from anxiety to depression to burnout in the last couple of years, which is no surprise to me. Um, But I think What we might not realize is there's a lot we can't change in terms of our circumstances. We can't change the fact that we've been in a global pandemic for the last couple of years. Um, You know, we can't necessarily change our, you know, circumstances like sometimes our job and that might be difficult, kids, things like that. There's a lot of things we can't change, but there are some things that we can do to affect our mood, food being one of them. So I would love to have you start by kind of taking us through why food matters when it comes to our mood, because I think most of us understand that it's really easy to crave 
lower quality foods, comfort foods, things like that if we're depressed or we're stressed or we're anxious. But can these cause these issues and how can we kind of improve our symptoms? So just take a take it all away. <laughs> yeah, so it it kind of becomes a a vicious cycle. So when we're stressed, we deplete nutrients from our body, specifically something like let's say magnesium. And when magnesium is depleted from our body, we become more stressed. And that's where that vicious cycle starts to happen. So that's when, you know, when certain nutrients get depleted, we become, you know, if we're not sleeping well, right, when we're stressed, we're probably waking up between two and 4 a.m. And we're not getting that good night's sleep and lack of sleep that, you know, leads to a whole cascade of issues. And when it comes to food and what we're craving and also how we feel, right? So let's say I'll take you through a scenario. It's 2 a.m. You're wide awake. You can't fall back asleep till four and five o'clock in the morning. Now you've lost, you know, two, three hours of sleep during the night. You wake up, you're exhausted. What do you do when you're exhausted? Well, you're going to crave things, stimulants that are going to wake you up or give you energy. So you're going to crave caffeine. You're going to crave sugar. You're going to crave, you know, certain things that you're going to be like, okay, that's going to help me get through my day, right? Salty foods. So you, and it has an impact on our adrenal glands, right? When we're not sleeping well, right? So stress. Um, the other reason why we're waking up between two and 4am is probably, you know, what that stress is cortisol's rising at the wrong time. And then cortisol also have its, its own, it has its own issues. So, you know, all of that is tied into the fact that, you know, when we're stressed, it just kind of has its tentacles in so many different things. So that's to answer your question of why we're craving lower quality foods, because when we're stressed, we're craving comfort food, right? We're craving that pint of, of that, you know, carton of, of ice cream or that chocolate bar. We want that, A, that energy, but also that comfort that goes with it. So really it's important it, when it comes down to what we're eating. So we're going to talk about two things. We'll talk about food, but then we're also going to talk about lifestyle because both of those play a big role. So when it comes to food and what we're eating, it's really important that we feed and nourish our bodies properly. And this is hard to do, you know, Chris, honestly, like for those of us, I mean, all of us have gone through the last couple of years with anxiety and stress, and it could be really tough. Be like, okay, I know my body's under stress right now. I should be eating my leafy greens. Well, I mean, sometimes you're not craving those leafy greens or you just don't want them or you just don't have the stomach to, to eat them. Right. So it becomes that double-edged sword in terms of knowing when we're under this constant state of anxiety and what we should be eating to help nourish it. So, you know, in, in a perfect world, feeding and nourishing our bodies is important, right? Making sure we're getting the right nutrients. So all of that, it plays a key role. And like I said, stress depletes our bodies of nutrients like magnesium, but also B vitamins, right? So you want to be extra mindful to eat foods that actually have those vitamins in it, those nutrients. So you you want to look to eat the rainbow. And the reason you probably have heard this where you say eat the rainbow. And the reason why we talk about eating the rainbow is because, and that's when it comes in particular to fruits and vegetables is because all the different colors have different polyphenols in them that interact with each other synergistically, right? So when we're eating the rainbow, we're eating good quality protein that's that's feeding our brain, that's eliminating cravings, that's keeping us satiated, that's helping to build our muscles, right? All of that, our bones and our muscles. When we're incorporating good, healthy fats, like olive oil, which has been shown, research shown it's been helped to help our mood, avocado oil, coconut oil, all of these foods will actually help to give us the nutrition that we need in terms of, um, you know, affecting our mood, but not only our mood, our immunity, our digestive system, all of that. Oh my gosh. I love that. That was such a great overview of so many of the foods that, you know, can be really, really good for us. And 
the fact that it is that kind of vicious cycle, it makes so much sense. And I think that it can be a little, it can be a little scary to hear that and to go, oh my gosh, I'm stressed and I'm anxious. And so that, you know, depletes my body. And then (laughs) that makes it even harder. But I think knowing that there is so much that we can do, but that it doesn't have to be this big, crazy overhaul, which I think is oftentimes what we think. We think, okay, well, oh my gosh, I'm stressed and anxious. So we just add more stress and anxiety onto it by trying to like change everything at once. But sometimes it's just about adding more of these nutrient-dense foods. Like you said, eating the rainbow, adding more fruits and vegetables and eating good quality proteins, more of those healthy fats. So I'm, I'm wondering, what do you think is sort of the priority? Is it about the types of food we eat? Like, do we need to focus on, you know, just fruits and vegetables or is it, or I guess, is it the type of foods we eat or is it more certain categories of food? Where would you, I guess, encourage somebody to start when it comes to, okay, I'm stressed and anxious. And I know that this is depleting me. Should we start by adding in more healthy fats, focusing more on proteins, fruits and vegetables? Where, where would you recommend starting? That's an excellent question. And I'm going to answer it in, in, in two ways. So if that's okay. So in the first question, when you asked me earlier, and I said, there were two things that we need to discuss when it comes to stress. So we've got the food aspect and then we've got the lifestyle aspect. So when it comes to lifestyle and we're stressed, what happens is that when we're stressed and let's say we're eating our food, we're not really digesting our food because when we're stressed, our body, our stomach was, you know, when we eat, it goes down our saliva, the process, the digestion process starts in our saliva in our mouth, goes down to our stomach where things are broken down with stomach acid. And then it goes to the intestines for absorption. The problem is, is that when we're stressed, our stomach doesn't actually do the job it needs to do. The digestion is kind of turned off because our body's busy work, you know, in sympathetic mode and it's working, it's trying to get us away from the tiger or the bear, whatever it is that, you know, that sympathetic mode does, right? So I think an important, so to answer your question, I think an important thing to do. So when it comes to categories of food, I actually think one of the most important things to do is to make sure. So when, if we're stressed, trying not to eat during times of acute stress, letting your body do what it needs to do, and then eating when you're more relaxed. So, you know, th- so certain things you could do before you eat is take a couple of breaths in, um, you know, just kind of calming your body, being mindful in the moment when you're eating, trying to, you know, eliminate or reduce distractions, which I know is hard moms with kids. I mean, I have three kids myself. I have an 11, my youngest is 11. Things are busy. Kids are, you know, like it's active, lots going on, but trying to do the best you can just to be in that moment of, okay, I'm going to eat now. I just want to, you know, get my digestion going, eating uh, bitter foods like arugula, like anything that's bitter, that'll stimulate digestion. You can even take, you know, I'm a big proponent of supplements. And as a nutritionist, a lot of people will say, I don't believe in supplements. You know, food is the only way to go. And I come from the point of view is a number one, our food may not have all the nutrients we need. The World Health Organization said it themselves, our food lacks nutrients the way it used to have. It doesn't have the vitamins, minerals, all of that it had years ago. So if you're fine that you need that extra nutrition, definitely focus on categories of food, which we'll talk about, but also you can turn to, you know, a supplement. You can turn to something that can help you out. You don't have to feel like everything you do has to be perfect. And the other thing I also like to stress is to be gentle with ourselves. Because I find that, you know, we become very obsessed or at least myself with making sure that we're feeding our kids the right foods at the right time, the right amount. And it becomes overwhelming in and of itself. And I've really learned, I'm in my fifties now. And I, like I said, I have three kids. 
And I used to be, ex- I used to be that person that was like, oh my gosh, if my kid's not eating their, you know, their food groups, all the food groups at every meal, I'm like, would blame myself. And what I've learned is I can only do the best that I can do. And if I can't do the best I can do every day, that's okay too. My kids are going to be okay. You know? And I think being gentle with ourselves plays a very big role too, because we are our own worst critic. And if we're not, we feel like we're doing a disservice to our kids or we're not, you know, our kids are going to be unhealthy. I feel like being gentle with ourselves and understanding that we're doing the best we can. I feel like that plays a critical role in the food. When we look at food and mood and emotional health altogether. Mm, Yeah. I think that's such an important point because if we're stressing ourselves out more worrying, that's not helping the vicious cycle either. Right. So when it comes to us, when it comes to our kids, yeah. Giving ourselves that grace and going, it's not going to be perfect and that's okay. We can focus on doing what we can and doing the best we can. And I also agree with supplements. I used to be that person for a long time too. That was like, you know, food is, food is the only way to go. It has to be, you know, get as many of your nutrients as possible from food, but that is just not realistic for a lot of people. So I almost think of supplements as like a little bit of insurance, right? Where you're going, okay, you know, I'm doing the best to get in lots of nutrient dense foods, but I know that we are also getting in some of those supplements that are also going to help to support my body, support my mood. And we'll talk more in detail about supplements in a little bit. Um, But I kind of want to talk more about the busy mom, right? As a mom yourself and talking about these mood boosting foods, some getting some of these more real foods, these really just great nutrient-dense foods in, what are some of your tips for getting in these foods for us, for our kids, for the busy mom who might not have time to make these elaborate meals? So we want, we have the supplements as sort of, I like to call it like insurance. (laughs) We have supplements to help support us, but what about like the actual meals? What are some of your best tips for getting in some of these mood-boosting foods? I would say do the best you can to make it fun for the kids because kids are picky. We know that. Um, and they tend to eat the same thing over and over. I mean, my kids, like all they like is cucumbers and peppers, <laughs> you know, getting other foods into them was like super tough. So I would say as much as you can to make it fun for them, maybe cutting in, depending how old your kids are. Of course, these are more tips for younger uh, kids, you know, cutting them up, um, adding some hummus, adding some other things, dips, kids love to dip. So adding things that they could dip, um, adding things that have cute shapes are always great. And then if you can, you know, create like soups, like I love soups and kids love soups. A lot of kids love soups. So you can add so many nutrients into soups, right? You can even add, like, you can make a vegetable soup and add eggs into it to have like a little bit of protein in there. Right. So getting, you know, getting it into your soup is great. Um, obviously if your if your children like salads, one of mine does, one of mine doesn't, my other one is kind of nor here nor there. So if your kids will eat salads, obviously doing what they can and, and getting them involved too. Like my daughter who's 11 likes salad and she loves making her own dressing. So it becomes, she owns it, right? She's like, I'm going to make the salad for everybody tonight. And I'm going to use, and she puts on, on, you know, lemon juice and apple cider vinegar and her olive oil. And then she puts all these spices that she likes to, you know, experiment with. So that's been really fun to see that she owns that healthy part of that meal when she, when she makes it right. And then also sauces, you can throw things into sauces. Smoothies are really great for kids. Um, My daughter will make her own smoothies all the time. 
So they love to make it, you know, using a blender. So that's really fun for them. And you can add in different things for them. Obviously, you know, if they won't drink something that's green, cause you're adding in kale or spinach, their smoothie, maybe put a little bit less, but you can add in nuts. You can add in seeds. Like there's different ways to get those nutrients into it. And, and just to go back to your question before you were saying, you know, when it comes to the food groups, I just want to go through a couple of foods just from like a standpoint of, to keep in mind. Right. So there are certain foods that help to improve our mood. So for example, if we look at eggs, right? So I just talked about eggs, putting it into soup. Eggs are high in protein, which I absolutely love. It's like one of those perfect proteins. If you're not vegan, obviously, and you eat eggs, and um, it's a great way because you can have it scrambled, you can have it sunny side up. My daughter loves hard-boiled eggs, and then she'll take a couple of those to school, or she'll eat a couple for breakfast with some pink Himalayan salt, which adds in extra minerals. So eggs are great, and it contains B B2 and B12. So again, you get those B vitamins and you get the protein. Uh, walnuts are great. They contain magnesium, right? Again, they're also, they're good for our brain health. Dark chocolate has been shown to lower cortisol, um, you know, which is really great and also has a positive impact on our mood. Asparagus has B vitamins, has folate, which is a B vitamin. And then also like things like salmon or fat, like fatty fish, flax seeds, chia seeds, all of them contain omega-3s which have been shown to have a positive impact on our mood as well. So omega-3s are excellent for our hair, our skin, our nails. Um, so you can get them in a vegan source, or you can even get them from a food source. And then like spices, like turmeric, saffron, and rosemary, all of those also have been shown to improve our mood. So there are different foods that we can work with that have an impact on our mood. And like you said too, like we said, if you don't have time, you could look at supplements, you can look at green drinks, you can look at, you know, fish oil supplements, if that's what you, you know, that's the route you want to take that, you know, and by the way, I do, you know, so again, being gentle with ourselves and being okay with the fact that a we're busy, we need convenience, we're on the run, especially if your kids are doing different activities, and you're running from here to there, you want to make sure you're giving them you know, you're setting them up as much as you can. Of course, you know, I, I laugh at my kids. I'm like, stop eating all that junk food. They're going to be doing it. I wrote a book, Chris, and many years ago, I wrote a book called Unjunk Your Junk Food. And it came about because I was that mom that was bringing red peppers to birthday parties and wouldn't allow my little two-year-old son to have birthday cake. And I remember everybody used to like make fun of me and be like, what, what are you doing? So eventually what started to happen is I started to need alternatives to these foods that my kids were eating because I was like, well, wait a minute, I get it. Let kids be kids and let them have it. But I didn't love the fact that they were eating food coloring and they were eating all of these chemicals that I knew were messing with their microbiome. Now let's put sugar aside for a minute. Kids are going to eat it. You know, you know, kids are, they're going to friends' houses they're going to movies they're going to birthday parties. Like it's going to happen. So I literally set out to find healthier options for, it was called unjunk your junk food. So healthier options for these foods that the kids were eating. So I've been down that road and I know like taking it away completely from them, it's just going to make them want it more. I, I did it. And that's why I'm here to share. It, it really comes down to balance and going back to don't be so hard on yourself and being gentle with yourself and going with where your kids are at. Because when you force them not to have certain things, they're going to want it and they're going to try and get it any way they can. So if I, if there's any lessons that I could share with your audience who have younger kids and who are just starting on that route is to just go with where your kids are at and anything that you're going to, you know, prevent them from having, it just may backfire and they may want them, they may want to have it more. So that would be my advice from that standpoint, you know. 
Oh my gosh. So much good information. I love the list of like foods that will help us the encouragement that, you know, if we don't get it, that's okay. We can also take supplements and have that balance there, but you know, that it is all about balance ultimately with us, with our kids, you know, it's not about taking things away. It's about adding things in and just doing our best. And I think all of those foods that you mentioned, you know, they're easy things that we can add in and just be conscious that these are some mood boosting foods. We can add them in, you know, we can try and have salmon, fatty fish once a week. If our family enjoys that, I know both of my kids really like salmon, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but it also doesn't have to be like a you know, big expensive piece of salmon. It can be, I love making salmon cakes from canned salmon. We can exactly. get that in. Yeah. There's so many different ways. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Or my daughter loves like a little piece of salmon mixed with rice, right? Mm, like, so yeah. you can mix mix it up with rice or you can add your veggies in and, you know, and, and to answer your question about categories is if, you know, is it about categories of food or, you know, what we should be eating? So the thing is really, it's, it's more about what we do include in the diet rather than not. So mm -hmm. of course, you know, everything that we talked about, right. The good, the good fats, you know, and I'll repeat them because I'm often asked, what are the, what are the oils I should be using? So it's coconut oil, it's avocado oil, it's olive oil. Those are the fats that we really want to be focusing on. And this is a hard one. And this might be more for your mom listeners than the kids, but looking at things like avoiding seed oils, that's a really big new area of research that Dr. Kate Shanahan, she's an MD has been focusing her career on. And um, she wrote a book called deep nutrition. Mm -hmm. And she talks about the effects of seed oils, like canola oils, uh, vegetable oil, soy oil, corn oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil. These are oils that many of us are consuming that are actually creating oxidative stress in our body and leading to inflammation. So if any of you have any pain in your body or you're feeling more fatigued than normal, you can look, it's an inexpensive way to look at what you're eating to be like, Hey, is this affecting my mood? Is this affecting keeping a food journal? I'm a big fan of keeping a food journal. So, and of course, you know, things that you want to avoid, like we touched upon, you know, just briefly, like the refined carbs, you want to avoid the refined carbs, the refined sugars, the, you know, alcohol, um, anything that's going to create that imbalance. Looking at food labels is really important too. You know, are you eating or are we giving our kids food coloring and MSG and all of that stuff? I, we coined the term scary seven years ago when we wrote Unjunk Your Junk Food. And you can Google it. It'll come up on my website, Naturally Savvy. And there was a group of seven ingredients that were like, you know what? Hey, listen, if you can avoid these, which is what the basis of Unjunk Your Junk Food was on, if you can avoid these while still eating what you want to eat, they'll just be better for everybody overall, including a better mood. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love simple. I love simple tips and simple swaps. So the recommendation to just focus on those seed oils or avoiding those seed oils, I think is so huge. I actually have deep nutrition it's right next to me on, oh on my, my bookshelf over there. It's oh, such it's a She's the best. <laughs> she's, she's so great. It's such a good book. Now it is not a light read. <laughs> it's not, no, it is not a light read. <laughs> it is not a light read, but it is packed with information. So for any of our researcher moms who really want some good, good nutrition information, yeah. it's a great book, um, but it is a lot. But I think that's why, you know, that's why podcasts are great with those simple tips. It can make such a huge impact on our inflammation levels, on our mood to just do something simple like, okay, what am I cooking with? Let's get rid of the canola oil. Let's bring in the olive, the avocado and the coconut oil and use those instead. And you can use those at different temperatures, right? Just the chef in me is like, well, you know, you could use the avocado yeah, yeah. oil for a little bit higher heat, use that olive oil for salad dressings. Yeah. I also use avocado oil for salad dressings um, and just yeah. switching those out and just looking at, okay, what, 
where am, do I have those refined seed oils? How can I just swap those out? So nothing huge or crazy in terms of changes, but just a little swap that can make a big difference. Oh, and it can make a massive difference. And reading the food label, like I always tell the story that I had a lot of pain in my feet and I didn't, it was like in the morning when I wake up and I couldn't really understand what was causing the pain. And I would go and I look at my products and I'm like, well, wait, uh, you know, I'm looking at my ingredients, I read labels. And what I didn't realize is I was having a seaweed snack from Costco every day. And I looked at the label and it had sunflower oil. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause I, you know, I was like, oh, I thought sunflower oil was okay. So I eliminated it from my diet. And within weeks, the pain went away. Like it's that simple. Wow. And that's what Dr. Kate says is she says that these seed oils are taking up space in our cells instead of nutrients. So what's happening is they're taking up the place that the nutrients are supposed to go into. But once you eliminate it, it allows the nutrients back into the cells. And that's where it's important. And that's where it helps with, you know, inflammation. It helps with mood. It helps with everything. So yeah, she's, she is pretty awesome. And you're right. It's a heavy book, but it's really great for the, like you said, your research moms. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. Well, I, oh my gosh, so many good tips, so many foods that we can focus on so many simple swaps that we can make in terms of in terms of foods that we can eat to boost our mood and just to boost our overall health and nutrition and reduce that inflammation. So I want to know a little bit about how we eat and how that impacts. I know that you talked about the importance of being in a calm place when we're eating, not eating when we're in that acute place of stress because it's not great for our gut health. It's not great for our digestion. So that's a, I think, I don't think I acknowledged that enough before. <laughs> that is a great tip and so important as, and as someone who has struggled with gut issues for a very long time, not anymore, thankfully, um, because of doing a lot of work on my nutrition pops up every now and again, but most of the time it doesn't. And I know what to do. And one of those things is making sure I'm chewing my food, being eating from a place of rest. So yeah. that is a huge, important tip, but what about things like food timing, which is, I know a big topic in the nutrition world, like spacing meals out, um, you know, time between meals and maybe balancing our plate is, are those things impactful when it comes to our mood? What is, what are your thoughts on that? So yeah, absolutely. I mean, you definitely want to, you know, balance out your plate because you want to get a little bit of everything. And if you're going to have, so there's so many different thoughts, schools of thought here, like you're saying. So in terms of, you know, what you're eating, you don't want to really eliminate any food groups unless of course food groups don't, don't, um, you know, jive with you and you feel like you have a sensitivity or if you have, let's say an autoimmune disease, let's say you have Hashimoto's, you obviously want to avoid gluten and dairy and soy and certain things, you know, that can, uh, you know, irritate that or exacerbate that. But I definitely think making sure your plate is balanced is important. So that good quality protein, like we talked about, um, you want to look at those, that lots of vegetables, right? Lots of those green leafy vegetables, cruciferous vegetables are excellent for helping to balance hormones, right? Hormones play a role in mood as well. It also helps for elimination. And so we want to really look at those, you know, cruciferous like broccoli and kale and cauliflower, all of that Brussels sprouts are all excellent. And then lots of leafy grains, which have those B vitamins and magnesium that we talked about. And then you want to look at the good fats. And then if you want to have complex carbohydrates, making sure that, you know, looking at something that you can do like quinoa, or you can do millet, or you can do, you know, brown rice, um, if your kids will eat that or, or yourself. So looking at, um, you know, the complex carbohydrates and again, just a little bit less of it, depending on where your blood sugar is at, if you're insulin resistant, like there's a whole, that's a whole bigger topic, right? In terms of timing, there's a lot. Now the school of thought is because about 88% of, um, I know the U S population, probably very much similar to Canada, it, our people are now, are they're insulin resistant. And it just means that they're, blood sugar is a little bit, um, you know, not in balance. 
to simplify it. So it's really looking at times that you're eating. So there's something called time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting, which is a big buzzword. It's great for some people, not great for everybody. You try it and you can see there's different, you know, different ways of doing it. But we now know that when we eat and how often we eat plays a very big role on everything, mood, immunity, healing, everything, and um, repairing, you know, rather than healing, but repairing the body. And, you know, so it affects our brain health as well. So I would say, you know, if, if you haven't heard of intermittent fasting, there's some great interviews. I've interviewed several people um, on my YouTube channel and my own podcast regarding it, and you could try it out. It just basically means starting, you know, if you can 12 hours without eating or drinking, you can drink water, you can drink herbal tea or black coffee, but no, nothing that has calories. So you can go 12 hours, work your way up to about 16 hours of fasting. And then either you have an eight hour window once you're at that 16 hours to eat you know, to eat. Now there's different schools of thought on that eight hour window. Some experts will tell you in that eight hour window of eating, you should only eat twice, you know, don't eat every, you know, don't eat the whole time that you're in that in window. Personally, I will eat, you know, whenever I want to and feel however I want to eat in that window. Sometimes I eat more, sometimes I eat less again, being gentle with ourselves. There's no, it's not a perfect science. So I would say, you know, if you can try intermittent fasting now, again, this isn't for kids, this is for adults. And this is for your, your adult listeners is to try that intermittent fasting, especially if you want to have more energy, you want to have, you know, you, you feel like you're, you need to you know, help with your mood or you have, um, you know, just other things that are going on. I do believe that when you eat plays a big role. And the other reason why intermittent fasting is great too, is because it's giving our pancreas, our insulin a rest, right? So when we're not eating, our blood sugar is not rising and our, our pancreas isn't secreting insulin to help get the blood sugar back balance. So there's lots of good reasons to actually to try that in terms of timing. Mm, Oh, so helpful. That was such a good overview too of intermittent fasting. And I'm glad you mentioned too, that it it does, it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. And I think there's, there's different times too, that work for some people and that work for others, right? Some people do well with 12 hours. Some people do well with 16 hours, but it's sort of about going, okay, what, what feels good to me? what gives me the most energy, what makes me feel the most balanced. And then like you said, it's, it's different for everyone. Maybe somebody's going to want to eat two big meals. Sometimes they want to eat every few hours during that, that period of time where they're not fasting. So that was, that was really great. So I, I think it's all of these, all of these pieces are so important when it comes to food and mood, everything from just bringing in some more of those nutrient dense foods to taking out some of those big things like the refined seed oils working on our food timing, balancing our plate. I think, oh my gosh, there's been so much that my my listeners can really put into practice with all of this. So I, this is so great. So I kind of want to talk a little bit more about gut health. We, we touched on this a little bit at the beginning, kind of the importance of gut health. And we talked about, obviously, we just talked, or I just mentioned again, slowing down before we eat to kind of improve our gut health um, and sorry, improve our digestion. But can we talk a little bit more about why gut health is so important for mood and maybe some just simple tips for things that the listeners can do to improve their gut health so that we can improve our mood? Absolutely. So our gut is now thought of as our second brain right? So you probably hear like we have our brain and then we have our gut, which is our second brain. And in fact, it's our main communicator throughout our body. So our gut is connected to our brain via the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is a two-way highway. So when one is unhappy, the other one is unhappy too. So it's really important that we take care of our gut health 
as much as possible if we want to keep our mood and our anxiety and all of that in check and in balance. We also know that serotonin, the feel-good neurotransmitter, is made primarily in our gut, about 70%. So you could see how everything is so intricately connected, right? So the goal is to keep gut inflammation down. So how do we do that? So again, everything that we talked about, Chris, like avoiding the refined carbs, avoiding sugar, avoiding alcohol, you know, avoiding caffeine for many of us, like, you know, people might think, ah, you mean no coffee. If it affects you, if you find that it impacts you from a digestion standpoint, maybe try going down. If you're drinking three, four cups a day to one or two, you know, just kind of measure yourself, listen, listen to your body. Right. The other thing that's really key for gut health, like we talked about earlier is trying to get more sleep prioritizing sleep is really important. And I know for myself when, you know, over the last couple of years, especially when we first went down into lockdown, I just, my sleep, I just let it go. I would stay up till one, two in the morning. And I would just be like, yeah, no, forget my sleep. And it really impacted me. And I could feel the difference in my mood and my emotional well-being. So I really started prioritizing my sleep and making sure I, I, I call myself a sleep biohacker now for women who are in perimenopause and menopause. And I, just because it's a, it's the time in our life when we're not getting as much sleep as we'd like to, and, and so many reasons for it, it's such a complex issue, but prioritizing sleep, looking at sleep hygiene, all of that is really key. And then the other things are looking at like avoiding pesticides and chemical additives in our food. Like we talked about the scary seven, right? Listening to your body. When you eat something that doesn't agree with you, even if it's a healthy food, by the way, I was talking to someone recently who said that he can't eat kale and kale was creating issues for him. So even if you're like, I should be eating this, but I feel sick every time I eat it, don't eat it. Listen to your body because it may not be good for you. Everybody's so different. So what works for me might not work for you. What works for you might not work for me, right? So it's a matter of listening to our body and then you can get, you know, um, sensitivity testing done. And generally there could be just certain things that are off. Um, I highly recommend getting, you know, if you feel like certain, you're not feeling like yourself, you're super tired, your mood is off. Like if you feel more depressed than normal, I would highly recommend getting certain blood tests, like your thyroid blood tests, right? Your ferritin, which is your stored iron levels in your body, your vitamin D, all of that have a major effect on our mood. So there are so many things that are going on that we can do that we can feel empowered by doing, by taking control. We're the captain of our ship. So we need to be like, okay, if my food, my mood is feeling more often recently, but I'm also have, you know, my hands and feet are cold and my libido isn't what it used to. And I'm super tired all the time. Well, definitely speak to your doctor about getting a thyroid test. And there's certain tests to get when it comes to thyroid health. You know, you have your TSH, which is your thyroid stimulating hormone, but there's free T3, free T3, free T4. Like there's, there's your antibodies. So you can ask your doctor to get all of that checked. And then obviously, you know, the other thing that's really important when it comes to our colon health is our, when we take probiotics or you eat probiotic rich foods, it actually populates in the colon. That's where most of it's going to live. So making sure, and we know that probiotics are excellent for digestion, for immunity and for mood, right? So there are certain strains that can help mood. So making sure that you're eating probiotic rich food like fermented foods, kimchi, sauerkraut, miso, like we talked about earlier, if you can tolerate them, not everybody can. And then you can also take digestive enzymes to help break it down and eat bitter foods like arugula, like we talked about as well about, um, and you can do like, there's um, sprays you can do with bitters that can help stimulate digestion as well. So all of that, and like, and everything you said earlier about, you know, we, we talked about earlier about being mindful when you're eating, trying to take those deep breaths before all of that. 
all of that will play a huge role. So many good tips. Again, (laughs) there are so many little things that we can do and we can just slowly incorporate to help our gut health, I think. And I think understanding that our gut is our second brain and it has such an impact on our mood and our immune system. I think it can be sort of overwhelming going like, oh my gosh, well, I used to think it was just about eating fruits and vegetables. Now I've got to take care of my gut health. I've got to do all these things, but it can be as simple as going, okay, I'm going to take a probiotic and I'm going to try to get in some probiotic rich foods. Um, because I I like that you mentioned too, that there are specific strains that are good for mood health. Um, same thing with immune health with our, you know, hormone health, things like that. And I think that that's so fascinating. So it's so important to diversify, um, you know, doing things like taking bitters, bitter foods. I think all of these things are just, they're those little things we can add in kind of going back to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I definitely agree. And and that's and that's the key takeaway here is that there are solutions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that it can be really empowering to know that there are things we can do and that if we are feeling off, it's okay to go and get tested. Actually, we should go and get tested and see, you know, where our different levels are at because there might be something deeper going on. We don't have to try to fix it all without knowing too, that it can be really simple to go and ask for that full thyroid panel and get our vitamin D tested. And I didn't get my vitamin D tested for the first time until I was like 20, I think it was 25 or 26. And it was, this is years and years ago now, but it was severely low. And I had no idea that it was impacting my mood so I was having panic attacks and mm-hmm. I went and I got a series of blood tests and my vitamin D came back in the tank. And I was like, oh, well, my doctor was like, I was seeing a naturopath at the time. My naturopath was like, yep, that is definitely contributing. So that was one small thing I could do. And now I continue to take vitamin D consistently. Um, you know, that's not going to be true for everyone, but getting tested can be a really, a really huge help. Yeah. I mean, I always say it's the foundation. Start there, start with your tests because it's going to tell, it can tell you a lot and then you can kind of dig deeper if you need to. Yes. Yeah. Testing and, and listening to our body too, and, and recognizing when things are off. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) So I want to talk about supplements because one of your roles as a nutritionist is also a spokesperson for genuine health, which is an awesome supplement company. And I've personally used them for years. I first discovered genuine health when I lived, I lived in Toronto for several years. My husband's Canadian. Um, and they did a couple events that I, I, I went to. And so I, drank their green juice for years and years when I lived in Canada. And now they're, now it's available here in the U S as well. Um, so I want to talk about supplements and how supplements, cause we, you brought this up a couple of times, how they can be helpful for mood, how they can help us to supplement all these little changes that we're making to support our mood. Um, so what are your top recommendations when it comes to supplements to support us when it comes to stress, depression, anxiety, or similar things that might be affecting our mood? Yeah, absolutely. So Genuine House has has three products that I I would recommend. So we talked about earlier about getting the nutrition in that we need and we're busy. So they have a green, a greens powder, like you just talked about, and it's been around for more than 30 years. So it is a trusted brand. And I remember years ago when I first got into healthy living greens plus was the, was the green drink that I, that was like my first foray into the Mm -hmm. healthy living world. So it's been around a really long time and you're able to get your nutrition has over like 20 different ingredients that help to nourish our bodies and provides us with the vitamins, the minerals, you know, the nutrients that we need on a daily basis. And it doesn't have, and what, what I like about it is it doesn't use isolates. They don't have any isolates. They use the whole plant. So you get a synergistic benefit from all the nutrients in their grains. So that's number one. You know, number two, if you're looking, and by the way, 
when you do a green drink, so let's say you start your morning off with a smoothie, you could throw the greens into the smoothie. You can drink the greens on its own with water. Um, or you can, and also what you can do is if let's say you take collagen or you take some other things, which genuine health has as well. And I'm a big fan of collagen. You can add that in to the green drink. So you mm-hmm. can kind of mix everything together because sometimes you might think, ah, oh, what am I going to do all of it? You can actually mix it all together and take it all at once, which I think is an important point. Um, so if you're looking, we talked about omega threes. If you're looking for an omega three supplement, they have a, a product called omega joy and it has 2000 milligrams of EPA, which is what the research shown. And that's the research on that amount has shown to improve, to have a positive impact on our mood. Mm. It also has hundred milligrams of DHA. So I'm a big fan of taking a fish oil supplement. And then their third product is their advanced gut health probiotic mood. So this is a probiotic that's made. It has 15 strains of probiotics specifically formulated to work together to mimic the natural microbiome. And it will help improve, you know, reduce stress and improve your quality of life. And they say it will happen in as little as 28 days, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then they have specific strains of probiotics like l and L-salivarius, <laughs> which have been shown to help improve mood and well-being. And the other, the other ingredient that their advanced gut health probiotic has for mood is something called Extramel. And that's been specifically studied for mood. And research shows it'll give you a sense of well-being, um, you know, fairly quickly too. And all you need is one capsule a day, which is really great. Mm, oh, that's so cool. You know what? I'm glad you mentioned too. I called it a green juice, but it is a powder, which I think is so convenient because I think, you know, green juice is a great way or greens powder is a great green juice in general is a great way to get in those extra greens, a ton that you might not be able to get in otherwise. But when it's a powder, it's even easier because you just put it in water and I mix it up. And that's what I do first thing in the morning is, and you know, I always recommend working up to it if your body's not used to drinking something like that in the morning, because it will go through you. Um, But for me, first thing in the morning, it just, it feels way better. I cut caffeine out entirely last year. I'll do a tiny bit now. Um, But I went from being someone who drank like three to four cups of coffee a day. I hate to admit it, but it's true (laughs) to very, very little caffeine, like a little bit in tea. Um, And uh, having the green juice or the the greens powder in the morning really does help my energy levels. It, it, It sounds like something that could be, you know, one of those gimmicky nutrition world things, but it is, that was actually the first greens powder I ever tried um, as well. And that was like, uh, we lived in Toronto like 10 years ago. Well, we lived there eight years ago, but I think I tried it about 10 years ago and it's great. It really does give me like a little bit of energy boost. And, you know, I didn't even think of adding my collagen to it as well. And I love that (laughs) because I've actually been struggling to find a way to get collagen in because I used to put it in my coffee. And now that I don't do coffee, (laughs) so I'm like, oh my gosh, I can just put it in with my powder in the morning. So I love that. Um, I just wanted to mention that and give a little shout out there too for the, <laughs> the powder, because it does, it's a great way to add in those greens. Um, and the, I'm actually currently trying out the, the mood probiotic as well. I always like to mix up my probiotics because I know that it's important to get in those different strains. Um, and so I'm currently trying it out. I definitely struggle with anxiety. I can't believe I haven't, well, I've mentioned it on the podcast before. So new listeners might not know that, but longtime listeners definitely know <laughs> I struggle with anxiety. Um, and so far so good. It's only been like a week and a half, but we'll see after, <laughs> after a few weeks, how, um, how I start to notice a difference. So I love, I love those suggestions. That's great. No, I love it. And uh, you're not alone. I mean, so many of us struggle with anxiety, right. And especially after, you know, the last couple of years, so whatever we could 
do the little, every little bit helps. Yes. Yeah, it does. And I think that is sort of like the core. I think that's the core message of our conversation today is that it is every little bit helps. There's so much we can do. You gave so many great tips, but even if they just take one or two tips from what we talked about today, maybe not eating in that place of acute stress and giving themselves time to digest or taking that probiotic or remembering that it's okay to take supplements if we can't get everything, you know, to be gentle with ourselves, especially when it comes to our kids to remove those refined seed oils. There's so much more we talked about, but even if they just take one or two tips from there, Yep, I think that they they can start to improve their mood, their gut health, which will also improve their mood. Um, yeah, there's so much we can do, I think, is kind of the core message of everything you shared. I totally agree. Awesome. Oh, my goodness. Well, I could keep talking to you about nutrition and mood and gut health and all of the things <laughs> for so long, but I want to honor your time. So I have some fun little rapid fire questions I love to ask my guests at the end. So I want to dive into those. But before I do, I would love to have you just share with my listeners where they can connect with you, where they can find the work you do. I know you mentioned your YouTube, social media, all the places. Yeah. So, well, you can find it about Genuine Health products at genuinehealth.com. So you can find that there. And then for me, I run a company called Naturally Savvy. So two L's, two V's, naturallysavvy.com. We've got a podcast with over well over a thousand episodes at this point right now. We've been doing it for many, many years. And um, I have a YouTube. So I'm on Instagram at Andrew Donsky. And then I also have um, Instagram at Naturally Savvy. We're kind of everywhere. You know, Naturally Savvy has been around for a really long time. So it's easy to find us. That's awesome. And I will link everything down in the show notes as well. I'll link to all of the supplements and I will link to Naturally Savvy and your Instagram and all of those things. And a thousand episodes, there's a lot for them to listen to so they can go over and, <laughs> and get more information where this came from. So I love it. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, I love to finish the podcast with what I like to call dessert, some healthy dessert today, um, otherwise known as rapid fire questions. So I know you're having some computer issues, so we'll try and get through these as fast as possible. So coffee or tea? Tea. Podcast or book? Podcast, although I do love a good book. It's just more time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. What did you eat for breakfast this morning? Well, I haven't eaten yet because I do intermittent fasting, but I will eat right after we're finished. Nice. So what is your first choice if you are going to order takeout? Hands down, Thai. Mm -hmm. That is a very popular answer, and that is one of my top as well. <laughs> are you an early bird or a night owl? Now early bird. Mm, me too. Last but not least, what does balance mean to you in this season? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say balance means um, not working crazy hours. I would say, you know, really being gentle with myself is balanced too, because I used to not be gentle with myself. So taking my own advice by being gentle with myself, spending time with family and just um, being more present, I think is really a big one for me when it comes to balance. Mm, I love that. Oh my goodness. Andrea, thank you so much for so much good information. This episode is jam-packed with so much goodness. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day and sharing with us and working through computer issues at the same time. My pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much for having, for having me and keep up the amazing work. Thank you. I love you my podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. 
If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.